0: to 29 the final little paragraph in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus is concluding uh, his sermon uh, here on the hillside and uh, and it does leave us with two choices again no in between we had some flooding recently in in our city in Queens uh, New Jersey right there were some places that are Hit a little worse than others, but it kind of demonstrated what was going on in some foundations. It made clear what was going on underneath, even though we didn't understand, okay, there's not good drainage here. Um, this is seen more starkly in sinkholes, right? We come across these potholes that do this. They, they wear away the dirt and debris underneath them, and then all of a sudden, a heavy vehicle goes over it, and boom, there goes the, the pavement uh, the black top, and it exposes this huge hole, and so you see a tiny piece of a cone sticking up on top of it, or uh, maybe a bumper, because the whole car has been engulfed in that pothole. We can have some pretty rough potholes on our streets, but nothing like the sinkholes that that come to property owners in Florida. Have you seen some of these? Uh, they are, there's some rough sinkholes. Um, a sinkhole, and it just kind of, builds underneath um, and, and, you know, some articles you read that, that are more, uh, there's just a lot of them, not just in Florida, but, but a lot in Florida. Um, sometimes just a, a little problem, but sometimes enough to destroy a house. In fact, uh, one article I saw from the Smithsonian uh, said that there have been six deaths uh, recorded from sinkholes. Uh, in one, Jeffrey... Uh, Bush was sleeping in his bedroom when a sinkhole sucked him 20 feet underground. That is striking, right? That is uh, uh, quite a problem going on underneath his house, and he had no idea, no idea. Uh, usually, this, you, see the, you see what's going on. You, you see, okay, there's some cracks here, there's some signs, there's some problems. But at times, boom, everything's smashed. This is the illustration Jesus ends with. He ends with this idea. You have two houses. He's going to tell a story of two houses that look identical. They are you. And you can't tell from the outward appearance coming to church on Sunday or watching from your living room. You can't tell from outward appearance what's going on underneath the surface. But underneath the surface of some lives There's a huge sinkhole, and it's just waiting for destruction. What happened to the person to die physically was nothing compared to what happens spiritually, and that's where Jesus is going with this story. So we teach our kids this, and it's a nice story, but when Jesus is telling it, it is actually something that should make us shudder. It should make us wake up to say, this is important. What Jesus has just taught us over this last year A little over a year we've been looking at this is so important. I cannot, I cannot put it off. I have two options. Two. There's no in between. There's no gray area. One or the other. And that's what he's been doing. He's given us these three sets of two pictures that he concludes with. Um, And this last one are these two houses. So let's look at these. First of all, we'll look at the connection to Jesus' sermon in verse 24, then the actual illustration of two foundations, and we know this, the wise man and the foolish man, and then lastly, the reception to Jesus' sermon, but most of our time will be coming in that verses 24 to 27, uh, the illustration of the two foundations, Um, and actually we're going to uncover or recover uh, connection to the whole sermon uh, as we conclude here so let's begin here with the connection to jesus's sermon the therefore we got to recognize jesus is saying all of this and i don't know maybe he took an hour maybe he took two hours but he's coming to the end here and he says therefore let me conclude with this here's where we're going with this therefore because of all that i've said to you so far therefore consider this truth so let's gather that therefore okay let's take a minute to look at what that's there for what Why did Jesus say, therefore, what is the connection for this story to the rest of what Jesus has said? Because it's so important how he's ending his sermon. I need to recover that. So let's do that for just a moment. Let's see the therefore. Um, He's just considered two roads just before this, verses 13 to 14. He's considered one picture of roads. He's considered another picture of trees. And now another picture of houses. So this first picture that he's just talked about, and then he's going to say, therefore, everyone. He just talked about roads and gates. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to what? Destruction. Collapsed house. Sinkhole. There are many who enter that. The gate is small. The way is narrow that leads to life. There's few that find that. We could summarize that with one word. There's danger. He's showing us there's danger in this picture. Life or destruction. The next picture is even more uh, disconcerting or what should concern us more. Uh, he says, therefore, there are, two, there are two trees, therefore, consider this. So he's looked at not just two roads, but there are these two trees. And one is the tree that, that is pictured by the wolf and the other by the sheep. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so Jesus is saying, you know, there's this two ways. One way leads to life, one way leads to death, And as you're standing there, considering the two ways, there's going to be people who look very proper, very religious, someone that you should listen to, and they're going to try to get you to go the wrong way. Watch out for wolves that will try to destroy you, causing you to go the wrong way. And they will look so nice. They will be so kind. But they're going to try to get you to go the broad way. Even more stark... Even more alarming is the next paragraph where he says, You will be deceived yourself. Not only will other people try to deceive you, you're going to deceive yourself about this. Deception, right? Oop. Let me read that. It's actually verses 23, 24, and following. Um. Not everyone, I'm sorry, verses 21 and following. There it is, yeah. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Right? So there may even be these people who are deceived in their own heart. I thought I was going the right way. I was, like, I was really honestly seeking the right way. But it was the wrong way. Many Verse 22. Again, that idea of many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do things for you? Did we not prophesy in your name? I mean, I preached. Lord, didn't I preach? Yeah. And I never knew you. There will be preachers that Jesus looks at and says, I never knew you. There was no personal relationship. And to them I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, there's a deception here in these two trees. We can be deceived into going the wrong way. So, we need to listen about what is the true way. This is tricky. The wolves put sheep's clothes on to deceive, in order to deceive. And yet, we can deceive ourselves. So, let's go back a little further in the sermon and understand what jesus has been saying so far to help us conclude on the right place so we're not deceived he's been talking about new life an inward change not these external rituals that i can make myself look good on the outside but an inside change what he will talk to nicodemus about being changed in the heart being born from above not just a physical change, a physical birth, but a spiritual birth. He's going to share that with a very religious person who needed a spiritual birth. And so he's, he's saying through this sermon, there, you know, you got some externals right, but where's your heart? Has your heart been changed? Matthew 5.20 For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of Nicodemus, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not a matter of doing, 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 doing all the good things, and then God makes you his child. Because, Matthew 5, 48, you actually have to be perfect. Therefore, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. None of us are perfect. And Jesus is going on and on to show that. Right? You think you're perfect because you haven't committed adultery, but you've lusted after someone. You think you're perfect because you haven't murdered, but you've hated someone. And so you all fall short of the glory of God. He's showing us that in his kingdom principles, we have all fallen short. We have all broken his inward law. And so there must be this change of heart. And it's not done through all the right works, but it's done through this humble reception by faith. And so we go all the way back to the first verses uh, of the sermon. Really one of the foundational verses. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's that person who's like. I can't do it God. I can't earn it. I need someone to give it to me. I need Jesus. And as they continue to follow him. As they continue to listen to him. They will hear him. Give that to them. Therefore. Blessed are you. You have the kingdom of heaven if you do not find in yourself the ability, in yourself the way, but find in Jesus the way. And so really this change of heart is founded upon these beatitudes. The idea that it's not by me working my way, but the blessing comes from me bowing myself at his feet and saying, I cannot earn this, I cannot do this, I need your grace, I need you to forgive me for all my sin and enable me to live this way, this new life. Matthew continues to fill out this teaching, this message, through his whole book. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, Jesus taught this at another time, again through a parable, that's saying these Pharisees are trying to earn their way. Right? That the sinner is actually the one who is, er, who is receiving, not earning, but receiving salvation. Um, because the tax collector, standing at some distance, says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, that person is justified. Justification is by grace alone through faith alone that Jesus earns in our place. That is the life that's not built on the externals, the religious rituals, but on Jesus and him alone. That is the life of blessing. And as he preaches this, everyone person by person falls short of his commands. And it may be that they're trying to be ostentatious with their prayers or ostentatious with their fasting. He's like, no, you do that in secret with your father. It's about the relationship with your father as a child of his. And You might be thinking that you've got all these Ten Commandments obeyed, but then he's going to internalize them and say, you're all falling short. You need someone's forgiveness. The humble in heart is the one that walks with the king. And so he's really laying two foundations. The one that will embrace his message and continue to follow him to the gospel And then the foolish man that continues in his own state is is the picture here. So let's jump into this picture. The illustration of two foundations, and this will be even more clear as we continue on here. This is really ties this. This ending story ties this to the message of Matthew and the message of the Bible. So don't check out, right? Stay with me. Okay, two pictures. Foolish man, wise man. But again, the two houses look exactly the same. I don't know where you are. You could be lying. You don't know where I am. Many preachers, preachers will be cast into hell. They said all the right things, but their heart was not there. So it's all between you and Jesus. Picture yourself with him, just you and him in one room. And he's going to tell you this story. This wise man, first of all. Therefore, that's all the therefore trying to help us understand his themes in this sermon. Therefore, okay, so what are we going to do with it? Everyone who hears the words of this sermon and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against this house. Did not fall did not fall good picture I want to be the wise one we all want to be the wise one so let's ask these questions what is being founded upon right this wise person is being founded upon the rock so we need to answer the question what is being founded upon what is the rock and eventually we're going to talk about what is the storm but we'll talk about that with the foolish man the wise man what is founded upon well in the comparison what does he say the, the, the person who's founded upon the work does what? Everyone who does what? Hears the words of mine and acts on them. Because that's the difference. What does the foolish person do? Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't. Act. Okay, So this is really interesting. He's talking to everyone who just heard him. And he's like, listen, you all look like you're stable houses, but actually some of you are hearing the words of mine and you're not going to act like them and you're building your life on sand. Some of you are going to hear my words and you're going to act on them and you're wise and you're building your house on a rock. Wow. All right, those of you who say, and nobody here does this, but some people say, well, Jesus was just a good moral teacher. Listen to what he's saying. If you listen to me, you have eternal life. If you don't listen to me, you're going to be destroyed. That's what he's saying. Two choices. He's not saying there's seven roads. Two. One leads to life. One leads to destruction. He's said it three times now. Over and over and over. No clearer can you get. You can't mess this up. What a great teacher Jesus is. Now he's really preaching. And he's helping us. Because he loves us. So this is important what is founded upon it's listening to these words but not just listening not just the mental assent you got to act on them what are you going to do with jesus what are you going to do with jesus you're going to act upon them or you're just going to listen so what is the rock here well the rock here i'm just going to just just kind of zoom out a little bit because i think matthew the holy spirit is doing this on purpose this rock here is an important word. What is the rock? The rock is what Jesus is saying is my words, my teaching. But even more than that, it's the embodiment of who he is. It is him and all he has said. And as we continue to follow his teaching, this idea of rock continues as the, as the gospel message itself. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is our utter inability to be perfect on ourselves and the need for a rock to stand on it is the foundation of the church it is the idea that his perfect righteousness needs to be mine someone must die for all my lustful thoughts, someone must die for all my hateful thoughts someone must die for all my ostentatious fasting and praying, all the things he's talking about someone else must pay the penalty for me or I have no rock to stand on Someone must pay for all my anxiety and worry about just this world and not seeing the kingdom of heaven and seeking first his kingdom. And so, just follow this. Jesus, I'm just saying it in summary and then we'll we'll point to it. Jesus destroyed his house. Jesus came to earth and went through a destruction. He allowed the wrath of God to land upon his house, his life in such a way that it was totally destroyed on the cross. And through that death, through that hole in the ground, through that utter sinkhole, he was able to build a rock that all of us can build our houses on. This is the idea. This is so beautiful. Let's take a look at this idea of rock. Um, if, if you have your Bible, Matthew 7, I just want to follow a few of these. Okay, I'm just going to mainly look at Matthew. I want you to look at Matthew. And, and then we're going to uh, at least look at a couple other passages in the New Testament that flesh this out even more. Jesus is saying this knowing what's going to happen with his three years. And he's going to say, you've got to have your life built upon the rock Next time this comes, if you're taking notes, is Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verses 16 to 18. A very, very crucial point in um, in Matthew's gospel where he's talking to his disciples, his apostles, and, and they're all worried about who Jesus is, and some people are leaving him, some people are not wanting to follow him anymore, and he says, well, who do you say that I am? This is the next time this word rock comes up. In Matthew's gospel. Matthew 16. Verse 16. Simon Peter answered. What Jesus said. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. You are the Messiah. The son of God. And Jesus said. You're blessed. Blessed are you. Right? Beatitude. Because you're believing. That I am the Messiah. And I am the son of God. He says. "You're, You're this this claim from this apostle is like a Petra. He's going, to, he's going to call him. He's going to change his name to rock. And this teaching that comes from this rock, Peter, this gospel message, is actually going to be the foundation on which this church is built. And that's what he's going to talk about. Listen, on this rock, I will build my church. What is this church? Church. It's not a building, it's you. So it's like, he, you have to build your life on the rock. A little later, Peter says, as rock, you're, you're the son of God. You're God's son sent to earth. You're the Messiah, the sent one. And, and Jesus is going to look at him and say, that's it, that's the church on this rock, this idea, I'm going to build what this. All of you, 2,000 years of you, from all over the world, I'm building it. And the gates of hell will not stand against it. That's my rock. Let's go to the next one. Oh, the next one is, is, is really neat. Matthew 27. So really, I, I would do a cross-reference in your Bible. I would write each of these references after that. Matthew 27, verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. The next time this comes up, the idea of rock in Matthew. Matthew 27, 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the the rock, the rocks were split. As the rock is split, the rocks are split. Jesus is, at that point, forming the rock. But it isn't just with his cross, is it? Um, Someone had just said, Jesus, save yourself. And instead, he dies in order that he could save all of us. The last time in Matthew this comes up is a few verses later in Matthew 27, verse 60. Laid Jesus' body in a new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone the entrance of the tomb, and went away. And then we know that that rock did not stay in front of that rock. It was rolled away because of the resurrection. And it is in that resurrection, that death, burial, and resurrection, that all of us now have life. So that that Jesus died, the rock was split that he might form himself into a rock. Father, Son, and Spirit could form a rock that would be the rock that on which the church would be built. I love this. Who else talks about this a little later? Peter in his letter. Look at this. 1 Peter. There's several of these we could go to. Let me just let me just do at least 1 Peter, okay? 1 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. For this is contained in Scripture Behold, in Zion I lay a choice, same word, stone, rock. He's, he's, he's prof- bringing a prophecy saying, I am going to lay a rock, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him is not disappointed. This precious value then is for those of you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone, the rock, actually becomes a, a stone of offense. It's something they stumble over and they are destroyed. They're, they're, they're actually wrecked by the rock. So this same rock is either what causes this, the, sink, the sinkhole or that causes the eternal life. And it's based on whether you believe. And what Peter says is all of you are living Rocks. Built on that rock. Right? As we follow Christ and build our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. We too are living stones. Being built up on this one stone who is Christ. Humbly receiving this message. That's proclaimed even the message of his name. Jehovah saves. Believing in that. Not through our righteousness Paul explains but by faith, quotes the same passage in Romans 9, referring to believing in this gospel message being receiving the rock, the stone. This is the same message of Daniel in Daniel 2, when he describes this huge stone that was made without hands, and and it, and it comes and destroys the kingdom's the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, Daniel says, that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. This stone, this rock, is Messiah. Messiah. Paul says that it was the stone, the rock that followed the children of Israel around providing for them in the wilderness. It's the foundation of the church, Jesus himself and his message of the gospel that we embrace and believe. And as we do so, we are saved. We we are eternally saved. And so those that continue to follow the rock, continue to trust in him his substitutionary death, meaning that he was our substitute in our place, find in ourselves forgiveness. Um, find in ourselves a, an eternal life. What is the storm then? Let me hold that question for just a minute and let's let's look at the foolish. The foolish man does this. He hears these words. He hears this rock message. He hears the Messiah has come as the Son of God, the king of israel and and foolishly doesn't act upon it doesn't sell all he has to receive the rock doesn't leave all to follow the rock but continues to live for self continues to um, go its own way the broad way and so hears and he does not act upon um, does not embrace this truth and what happens to this one? The rain falls, the floods come, the winds blow, and it slams against the house. And what happens to the house? It falls, and great is its fall. It is, it, is a, it is a horrible destruction. Now I would say that is true just on a physical level for this life. It is true if you do not build your life in the way that God wants you to build. It will be a certain way to hurt yourself. To follow his commands but what Jesus is talking about is even uh, more dangerous he's not just talking about this life in fact uh, if you're in Matthew 7 there you just look a little bit before he is talking about eternal destruction uh, I think we can apply this to the trials of life and the difficulties that come to us but if you look at each of the stories what he's talking about is eternal wrath from the father Look at verse 23 of Matthew 7. If you do not follow his way, he says, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is not, again, the the children's song. Hopefully our children learn it and abide by it. But he said, this is serious. This is not just the way to have a really nice life. This is the way to have eternal life. And if you don't listen to this, the wrath of God is coming upon you. And he's going to say, depart from me. Who practice lawlessness? In fact, one of the last times I just followed this theme throughout the New Testament, the idea of stone. One of the last time that comes up, do you know where it is? Revelation. And they are crying out, stones fall upon us. Why? Because the wrath of the Lamb has come. That's Jesus. We have a wrong view of who Jesus is. He has wrath at the nations who have rebelled against Him in His ways. And the only way to not be crying out, Rocks, fall on me and hide me from the wrath of the Lamb, is to receive Him as the Lamb now. Receive Him as the life now. Founded upon the sand, you have eternal destruction. Matthew seven twenty two 22-23. Also Matthew 7.13 Enter the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about just you know I'm going through a stressful time I realize that. And we need to build our life on the Lord Jesus and he will help us with that. But what he's talking about is the wrath of the Father for not following his way truth and life. For not having his eternal life. A wrecked life Not just falling 20 feet, but falling to eternal wrath from God in hell. Great was the fall of it. Do not build your life on a sinkhole. The sand of religiosity is not the rock. The rock is the gospel of Christ. The sand of self-righteousness. And it may be Baptist self-righteousness. It may be Mormon self-righteousness. It may be Catholic self-righteousness or Buddhist self-righteousness. You can just name the self-righteousness. If you're trying to earn your way on anything else than the rock, it's self-righteousness, and it is the sand. The sand of self-righteousness is not the rock. The rock is the gospel of Christ. The sand is, is, is not living for the moment, the here and now. The rock is the gospel of Christ. And I cannot tell by outward appearance where you are. You have to be honest with yourself today. This is so important. Please don't ignore this. Um, The question in a nutshell, on what are you relying? Is it on Christ or your religious heritage? Is it on Christ or something your parents said? Is it on Christ or your own way? There's only two options. If I say, why should you enter the kingdom of heaven? You should say, because I meekly bowed and received Jesus' message. It's the only answer. I built my life on the rock, and that rock is Christ. All other ground is sinking sand. When Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed. I mean, he is actually saying this? That if, if I don't follow him, I am headed for destruction? He's saying it, so I'm saying it. If you don't follow Jesus, you're headed for destruction. That's authoritative teaching. It's not my authority. It's not my opinion. It's what Jesus says. And so we, we need to respond to that. And I, try, I trust respond in faith. Um, it's not enough to be amazed. Some of these were amazed and listened and did not embrace. They left and they went to the grave without the words of life. Let me encourage you to now respond in faith, believing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lindsay Terry shares Edward Mote's story. He grew up on London, and as a child he was a rascal. Uh, He says, So ignorant was I that I did not know there was a God. My Sundays were spent on the streets of London in play. Um, His unruly childhood became a thing for him. In early early adult years, he he heard the gospel preached at the Court Road Chapel there in London, sermons by Pastor Hyatt. Um, He learned that Jesus Christ could take away away all his fears and give him peace of heart that he desired. Um, Became a carpenter after embracing that message. Through very hard work, uh, conscientious efforts, owned his own cabinet shop. One day, walking to his work, he began to think about this experience he had, going from a rascal to uh, Christ's righteousness. He wanted to write a hymn. Before he reached his shop, he had written down this chorus. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Before that day ended, he had four different stanzas to this poem. Uh, following Sunday, he visited a home of a friend whose wife was at the point of death. He was a pastor. and His wife was at the point of a death. During, uh, during that time, they read scriptures and prayed with her, and they were looking for something to sing. They had no hymnal, and so he reached into his pocket and pulled out those words and said, maybe these would be a blessing to her, and they did, and, and she just recognized how much she enjoyed at death, death's door hearing the words of life so he's like i'm going to share this with others and he had a thousand copies printed for distribution among his friends my hope is built on nothing less nothing less than what jesus christ his blood and his righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. According to Jesus, those are your options right now. You're either standing on the solid rock or you're you're on sinking sand. And I, I put that out for you today. Embrace one or the other. If you're on the rock, you will die well. You'll live well too. We always think about that, but you'll also die well. Later, Edward Moat actually became a Baptist preacher. Um, He had to work hard, uh, working both things. Eventually, they they were able to buy a a little property, and and the church, because he had worked so hard to bring it out, they wanted to give him the deed to the property. And he said, absolutely not, just give me the pulpit. I do not want the chapel, I want only the pulpit. And when I see, cease to preach Christ, then turn me out of that. He served Christ in that church for 20 years. When he was 77, he lay on his sickbed and his deathbed and said, I think I'm going to heaven now. I'm nearing that port. The truths I have preached, I am now living upon, and I'm willing to die upon. The precious blood which takes away all our sins, this is what makes peace with God. And so with, the, with victory, he was able to end his life built upon the solid rock that he had lived on. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is a wise man. Builds his house on a rock. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me encourage you right now to Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Embrace him as Savior. In just a minute, we're going to sing that song. Um, but I think we need to be amazed at Jesus' authority here. He's not just a human. He is human, but he's Son of God. And he's, he is willing and able to call all people everywhere to repent, to turn from sin, to trust in him as Savior. And he's calling you to do that now. Will you trust him now? Will you believe on him and be able to sing, On Christ, the solid rock I stand. As you do that, he will give you grace to live out the stone, to be a living stone that looks like Christ. Receiving by faith means embracing the truth. Um, Not just saying I assent to this, but saying it's for me. And so you you need to confess that to the Lord. Uh, He sees your heart. He sees the prayers of your heart, if you'd like. In just a moment, we'll have quiet, and I can pray with you at the back lobby. But it's between you and God. And so you can come to God right now through Jesus and say, I believe this. I embrace it. I trust Jesus as my Savior. This isn't just a kid's story, but Jesus, Jesus is my rock. I build upon him as the solid foundation. You will assent to that. Humble yourself and do that. You will be blessed and enter the kingdom of heaven. man we considered earlier just said something like this. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And I encourage you to do the same. Cry out to Jesus. Be merciful to me, the sinner. And receive the gift of eternal life. That is building your house on the solid rock. Hearing the saying of Jesus and, and doing it. Receiving it embracing it that is the wise way let's all respond to this message Jesus's concluding message if you'd like to pray with someone I'll be in the back lobby be able to pray with you or have someone else pray with you but let's all pray to the Lord and thank him for this rock on which to build our life in eternity